Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. For a couple of minutes here to continue our in-depth look at the NFL draft as a guy who covers it for and does a uh, very good job on the league all year for them from fansided.com. Matt Birdram joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, nice to get back to work the last couple of days, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was nice to have a little bit of normalcy. I think uh, for for all of us NFL writers, it's a little bit of a coup de grace to the, to the season. Next couple months are time to uh, unwind, but certainly just to have an event go as it normally does. I mean, obviously virtually, but in terms of just picking the players, yeah, nice to nice to just have something go as you're used to it being. Speaking of virtually, and I heard a couple, uh, including the commissioner, a couple individuals saying that uh, they have may have learned certain things. You get thrown out of your usual element and way of doing things, and from time to time you pick up a tidbit or two that you can help in the future uh, if you go back to doing it a different way. You buy any of that? Is there any element or aspect of the virtual NFL draft that Hopefully a year from now it'll be in a live venue with tens of thousands of fans there and teams set up in massive conference rooms and the like. What, if anything, can teams actually benefit from a virtual draft going forward? I think for the teams, you know, a lot of them, just talking to people around the league, kind of figured out, you know what, maybe we don't have to go into the facility every day in the lead-up to the draft and be there for 8, 9, 10, 12 hours. Now, maybe we can do some of this stuff you know, from our houses and just get on a Zoom call, get on a Skype call, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, and communicate that way and, and not you know, drive these guys into the ground, especially guys you know, who, are, who are scouts who have been on the road for months and months on end. They haven't seen their families very much. So I think that is probably for the teams the biggest takeaway. I think for the league, look, they're going to want to always have the, the draft be this big blowout event. That's just how it is. They can make money that way. Um, but I do think because of what this, this year's challenges were, they had to pare down the, the draft presentation quite a bit. Look, they're not going to do it every year, but there were some lessons, I think. And, hey, sometimes it's not bad to have a simplistic plan. And I think the draft went off well this year in a lot of ways because it was simple and it was easy and it was digestible. And I think that's something that the NFL should consider. Uh, I know it's not your job, nor is it mine, but we do it uh, even subconsciously all the time when you're not at stadiums or arenas and at games, but you're just watching stuff on TV, but it's going to affect stuff that you're going to write in upcoming columns and the like. Um, How did you think Roger Goodell came off in this draft? Because his role was certainly a little bit different. His location surely was, but just 
overall, I thought he played a role. Uh, what would you? Uh, how would you describe Roger Goodell's draft role? I thought it was it was very personable. I, I thought he came off as the stereotypical you know, guy at the bar. You know, he was just relaxed. He was at ease. Maybe part of that had to do with it. he was at his house. Um, you know, and, and maybe part of that was a real conscious effort by him. Uh, you know, this is a time everybody's stressed out. I think it was good uh, to see the commissioner who, let's face it, has gotten uh, a lot of criticism over his tenure, the way he handles a lot of things in the league. But I thought he was a big winner of the weekend. He, he, he humanized himself and really, in a way, through him, humanized the league. You know, the NFL has always been called the no fun league, right? Always gets that criticism and, and rightfully so in my opinion. But I, I think it was important for Goodell to be a little bit more of a person than a commissioner this weekend, not only for his fans, but for himself and the league. And, and I thought he really struck the right note. You and I are close to the same page. I thought of him as everybody's got one of these, your goofy friend, your corny friend, I thought some of the things he tried to pull off didn't really work. But when you roll your eyes, you're actually smiling because you know what he's attempting to do and you know what he's trying to get at. You roll your eyes a little bit, but you're smiling the whole time, and that's the way I was with Goodell. I thought he handled himself really well. Humanized is a good way to put it. I know he's a little goofy, but he was goofy in a good way too, which I thought made it as enjoyable a draft as it was when, oh, by the way, they got, as expected, their greatest draft ratings ever because what the hell else were we going to be watching? All right, let's talk about what we watched. Joe Burrow going number one. Best season I've ever seen a college quarterback have. Doesn't mean he's now going to be the best uh, NFL quarterback of all time. But how good is good? How much is he going to improve the Bengals? Oh, I think he's going to improve him quite a bit. And I agree with you. He, you know, he had a year at LSU that you know, I mean, you're talking 60 touchdown passes, 6,000 yards, and that's video game type stuff. So, uh, you know, now he's going to a team that's more like the Vanderbilt of the NFL than it is the LSU of the NFL. So there's going to be obviously that steep curve. But I'll say this about the Bengals. And it's a weird thing to say about a team that's the number one pick and went 2-14. and 14. They have guys on that team that are going to be real weapons. I mean, when they go three wide, they're going to have A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. Like, you could do a lot worse than that. they got Joe Mixon in the backfield, Zach Taylor is an offensive-minded coach. Now, the concern there is, of course, the line is not good. The defense, they actually spend money for the first time in, in literally in forever in free agency. But, you know, that's still going to be, you know, a unit that, that's going to improve throughout the year but, but needs to take a lot more steps uh, than I think it even can in 2020. But Burrow gives them the real hope of, hey, this is the franchise for 15 years. Now, he's got to do it, but I think all the talent, all the traits, it's all there for him. And I think he's actually surrounded by a pretty intriguing supporting cast, at least right now in terms of his weapon. Yeah, I thought they had a heck of a draft. I thought they had one of the best drafts in the NFL. It's nice when you're always picking the first pick of every single round, and it gives you a chance to get players of value at that spot, and I think they did a whole heck of a lot uh, in that vein. As do I think the Dolphins, they had more picks, more ammunition coming in than anyone else, but also made a uh, lot of great picks as far as I was concerned, starting at the top with Tua Tungabaloa. Um, if If he's healthy, and that's a big if, Will he be as good, not as good, or better than Joe Burrow? 
I think he'll be right in that same conversation. I think I think as good, maybe a tick below, tick tick above, depending on how these teams surround these guys. But I think I think they're in the same breath. I don't think there's a big difference. Um, you know, and, and when you look at two, you're right. I mean, it comes down to is he healthy? And you know, we, we just don't know. He's gone through a lot of injuries in college, and that scares me. Frankly, you know, I look at it and say, if you got hurt all that often in, in college. It doesn't really portend well for the professional game where guys are bigger, faster, stronger, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I thought the Dolphins did the smart thing after they took him. Their next pick, which was also in the first round, they took Austin Jackson, a tackle out of USC. As the rounds went on, they took more and more offensive linemen. If you're going to draft to attack of Ilo and you're going to stake your claim that he's the future, then you better be prepared to go out and spend umpteenth picks and umpteenth free agency dollars on guys who can protect him. And I think the Dolphins, they're run well right now by Chris Greer and by Brian Flores. I thought they did a nice job in that regard. Which, by the way, I uh, watch a draft with my daughter, and she's a good NFL fan, but she's a Jet fan, and uh, certain teams she pays attention to, other not so much. She goes, when did the Dolphins start to get run by teenagers? That both their general manager and coach are as young-looking as they are. I said, well, they're doing a damn good job, so I don't care how old they are or how old they look. Give them credit for what they're pulling off here. Um, I think the Dolphins improved. I thought the Bills had a pretty good draft. I'm a Jet guy, and I like what the Jets did. Is the AFC East now officially up for grabs? Oh, I think it's definitely up for grabs because I think the team that had the worst draft was New England. New England, to me, and, and, you know, well, we all do this, this silly thing where we grade these picks the second they're made, and we have no idea, right? I mean, right. We, we have an idea based off what they did in college, but who knows? The AFC East is definitely over. I think the Bills right now are the best team. But the Bills have the one big looming question, which is their quarterback. And you, you watch Josh Allen, and there are games he plays and say, well, you know, made five or six really nice throws, took care of the ball. And then you watch other games – and he's running downfield and lateraling behind him in a playoff game, and it, it looks like total chaos. So I do think the Bills have the leg up. If the Patriots were ever to somehow get a guy like a Cam Newton, then they're interesting, although I do think that roster's on the steep decline at this point. But, you know, the Jets, the Jets people forget, and obviously you being a Jets, of course you'll know, but they finished strong last year. I mean, went 6-2 and two down the stretch. I thought Darnold played well once he came back from Mono. Um, I love the pick from Denzel Mims. We did a draft diary on him over at Fansided. I can't say enough good things about him. I mean, great kid, just a really good football player. I think he's going to be a positive influence for them. I think he's going to give them somebody who can really step in and replace Robbie Anderson really from the get-go. So I, I agree. I think the Jets did a nice job. Um, but I really think any team in that division can win. I think for the Dolphins it's probably a stretch only because there's just so many moving parts to it. But they're well coached, and if two is healthy, I mean, you you can't say that it's impossible. There's always a team that goes from worst to first in a division. NFL Insider from Fansided.com, Matt uh, Roderan, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, Herbert went six, two of five, Burrow won. The next two quarterbacks actually generated more conversation coming off the board than the top three because <laughs> they went where they were slotted. Uh, the Packers moving up to take Jordan Love with a guy named Rogers already still on the roster. And the Eagles in the second round taking Jalen Hurts when they gave uh, Carson Wentz 120 some odd million dollars in a contract extension during this offseason. 
which uh, quarterback tapping surprised you more? So they both surprised me. Uh, I, I think I am actually the, the guy who will go against the grain with the Hurts thing and actually say I get it a little bit if I'm Philly. Look, Wentz gets hurt a decent amount of the time. And I, there's nobody behind them right now. So, yeah, investing in a second round and a backup quarterback is, is significant, but it's also a, a good insurance policy because Wentz gets hurt frequently. So I get it. You know, what, you look at Hurts, he played under Riley he play, at Oklahoma. He played under Saban. Teams liked that with him going into the draft. So I get it. I know a lot of Philadelphia fans are serious, but I do see where, where Howard Rosen is coming from. The Jordan Love thing, and frankly, the Packers' entire draft, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand any of it. I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's there for the next three years. Now, he's signed for the next four years, but he, just his, his contract numbers, he's there for three seasons. And I know some Packer fans will say, well, that's what happened with Farvin Rodgers. It was, it was different. Rodgers, some people thought, was the best guy in that draft, and he fell and he fell and he fell on the Packers and said, look, we have to take him. They traded up to get Jordan Love, who was a guy who some teams didn't even think was a first-round talent. So I, I think that surprised me more because, like, you know and I know, anyone who's followed the league knows Aaron Rodgers is not going to take kindly to that pick. That is not going to go over well with him. And maybe the Packers don't care that it won't go over well with him, but I think they should because they're married to him for at least three or more years. Ego question for you. You mentioned using a second-round pick on a backup quarterback might not be the worst thing in the world, but the Eagles aren't a perfect roster either. Uh, A lot of people saying the Packers couldn't afford to use a first. They needed to give more weapons to Carson, to uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Why can't the same argument be made in Philadelphia? It can. It can. And I I was surprised they took Jalen Rieger, not because they took a receiver. I thought they'd definitely take a receiver in the first, but I thought that, you know, with Justin Jefferson there, I thought he would be the pick. Obviously, he went right afterwards to Minnesota. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if, if Rick Spielman uh, and, and Howie Rose ends up feeling good about their picks in five years or, or regretting one or both of them. But like, I think for the Eagles, you know, as the draft went on, the, the Thursday, the draft, it felt like every other pick they were making was a, was a speedster, somebody who could get down the field, get open for Wentz. But, of course, at that point, the draft, you're kind of talking a lottery ticket. Yeah. You could make the argument, look, it's a draft or in the second round, you know, top 50 picks. You could have you could have gotten a receiver who in most drafts would have been a top 20 pick. So could the Eagles have double-dipped? Sure, they could have. I just, for me, I don't blame them. They'd probably look at Hurts and say, hey, listen, if, if something happens with Carson Wentz, we're not going to be in a playoff game where we're trotting out 40-year-old Josh McCown and hoping – that he can somehow find a way or a Nate Sudfeld or one of these other guys. So I think, you know, for the Eagles, I do understand the logic, but yeah, I mean, look, I also understand why Philadelphia fans, a lot of them are sitting there saying, what are we doing? This is a premium pick and we're taking a guy who we hope never sees the field. Right. Uh, there wasn't a green room this year, but they had some, cameras in guys' houses, including the two quarterbacks who didn't go till day three, Eason and Fromm, and that was kind of cringeworthy, but was there someone that you specifically targeted, said, I love this kid, he's going to be a, a star in the league, and he wasn't taken day one, and he may have been taken at the earliest day two, or late day two, or went all the way to day three. Was there one guy you couldn't believe dropped like a stone in this draft? I mentioned them earlier, and he went to your team. Denzel Mims. 
I think, I mean, even forgetting the fact that we did the diary on him, I went to the senior bowl well before I, I knew him or really much of him and watched him and said, who is that? He is destroying everybody out here. And it was obviously Denzel Mims. I thought, I thought he was somebody who was deserving of a top 20, 25 pick. I mean, he really was that good. Another guy who I would throw out there, um, and he fell to the late second round, was Christian Fulton of, of uh, LSU, the corner, ends up going to Tennessee. You know, he had some off-the-field concerns because he, he failed the, the PED test uh, a year ago. I think his case is as good as any corner not named uh, Akuda in the draft. I thought he was fantastic. And he fell all the way out. Maybe it was the off-field concern. Maybe it just happened to be the way the board felt for some of these teams. But I think Christian Fulton's going to step in, and he's going to replace Logan Ryan. and be a really good player for the Titans. I thought that was one of the better values of the entire draft. Yeah, so did I. I was surprised that he uh, dropped a little bit. Um, was there one guy you said when he came off the board, what the hell were they thinking about taking him as high as they did? <laughs> Uh, yeah, a few. I, I would say, look, one of them has to be Jordan Brooks, uh, the linebacker of Texas Tech, going to Seattle late first round. I just don't understand how he goes ahead of Patrick Queen. I mean, to me, there were two linebackers in this draft beyond Isaiah Simmons who just, if you need a linebacker, you had to take him. Kenneth Murray, to me, is a phenomenal prospect. I thought the Chargers, even though they had to give up a second and third round pick, I thought they knocked it out of the park. Uh, and then Queen to Baltimore, that, that was the easiest fit to see uh, it maybe in the entire first round once you got past the first few picks. But, yeah, I, I didn't understand Jordan Brooks. He's a guy who can't really cover, kind of stiff hip. Um, and then the other one I'd have to say is, is Arnett, Damon Arnett, the corner of the Raiders. I, some teams thought he was a third-round pick, and the Raiders took him 19. I get it. They don't have a second-round pick, but that's a reach there. Maybe you trade it out of that pick if you can. If you can't, maybe I just hope that he's around later on. Um Look, Mike Mayock says, hey, I love him. I'm taking him at 19, and, and fair enough. Mike Mayock will forget more about football than Oliver know. But I, I thought that that was a significant reach by maybe 20 or 30 picks. Yeah, same here. I, I thought I was going to come on here and say, Arnett, steal late second round, and he goes pretty much middle of the first round. Well, okay, I liked him, but I don't know that I liked him that much. So I agree with you on that one. All right, you mentioned Isaiah Simmons. Is he going to be a transcendent player in that he comes in as a player without a position, that they used him all over the place in so many different formations and different responsibilities at Clemson, and all he did was make plays? We don't have a lot of that. We have players that have multiple skill sets, but two or three different, four or five different positions is Simmons that talented that he makes the NFL rethink the way they look at players, they draft players, they position players? Is he that good? I think he's fantastic. I don't think he's that good because I don't know that anybody's ever been that good. It's, it's the rare guy and the really rare guy who comes along and literally changes the game. So I would always bet no to that question. But I do think like if I were the Giants – and I get it. I'm not knocking the Giants taking Andrew Thomas. They need a tackle. That's fine. You protect a big investment in Daniel Jones. If I were David Gettleman there, I would have taken Isaiah Simmons. Because I do think he is the kind of guy you can build an entire defense around. And God knows the Giants need a revamped defense. So I think Simmons is, is a godsend to the Cardinals. You put him on a defense with Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones and Jordan Phillips, who they signed in the offseason from the Bills. Like, I, 
I think Simmons is going to be fantastic. The one thing I would say, and you brought it up, is when you move around positionally that much in college, and we, we see that happen sometimes, not usually to that extent, they are going to have to figure out, okay, what position is he? Is he a linebacker to them? Is he a safety? I think he's a linebacker. But whatever it is, you know, you can make him a joker in your defense and move him around a little, but you have to primarily get the guy down pat at one position because what you don't want is where he's a jack-of-all-trades and master of none. If he's that in the top ten picks, then you've kind of failed him. So I hope that the Cardinals do just identify what they think he's best at and then really drill down on that. And if he masters it, then expand from there. All right. I asked this question. We had Hub Arctic on earlier. You and Hub are my two draft experts tonight. Um, and I gave him the guy that I specifically was on the lookout for. As soon as the draft ended, because then the mad scramble begins with undrafted free agents. We had 255 drafted. There'll be more than 255 signed. They're already up near that number already, and there's still a bunch of guys floating out there that teams will grab over the next couple of days. Was there one individual that you were shocked did not hear his name called? And uh, do you know if he's already jumped on with another team yet? <laughs> you know, there, there really wasn't. I, I got to say, there, there wasn't somebody who, every once in a while I'll have a year where you say, my God, I can't believe nobody took him. I thought he was a fourth or a fifth round pick. Uh, you know, like, like there there have been those years, obviously a handful of years ago, Leo Collins it fell and fell and fell. Now there were some circumstances that, of course, uh, but, you know, before a month before the draft, he was thought to be a first-round pick, top-point right. pick. There was nobody this year that I looked at and just thought, wow. I can't, I mean, I'll, I'll say this, and he got drafted, but like Bryce Hall to me fell a lot further than I, I ever thought he would fall. I, I thought he might be like an early second-round pick, mid-second-round pick. Uh, his speed's a concern, but he ended up falling you know, really far into the draft. But, no, as far as the UDFA, there was no one who I was just – shocked that they got there i i thought that you know the, the udfa class is good um but i didn't i didn't think there was any egregious misses in the you know in the top seven round i'll give you the one guy who i had a an eye on and i was hoping he landed i again uh wearing my rooting interest on my sleeve because the jets haven't had a stable kicker in forever the kid blankenship at georgia is the best kicker i've seen in college football two years running and three kickers got picked, and he wasn't one of those three. <laughs> I couldn't believe that if there was going to be one pick or kick, uh, kick or pick, there was going to be Blankenship, and nobody took him. I couldn't believe it. That's true. He was pretty dominant for the Bulldogs. Um, I was, I was surprised the Pats took, took a kicker when they they're so desperate for a quarterback. Well, I guess maybe they're not. You would think they would be, but I guess Belichick doesn't really seem too too concerned. Um, but yeah, I have Blake Blankenship. Yes. Uh, certainly you can make an argument that he's the best kicker in college football since you know, Roberto Aguayo. And obviously it didn't work out the pros, but it rubbed a little salt in the wounds there. Thank you very much for my, <laughs> uh, what happened to Blankenship line. All right. Since you went there, last question, who starts more games for the Patriots this year, Hoyer or Stidham? Hoyer. I, I just, I think Belichick trusts him. I think he knows him. And with Stidham, like we all saw last year, Patrick Mears against the Jets, he came in the game where Brady got, got pulled out. They were winning handily in Foxborough. Stidham was so bad that they had to take him back out of the game and put Brady in. Now, maybe Stidham you know, really improves, but like I, I think 
you know, I, I think they'll go with Hoyer. I don't. I do not get the idea that they are going to suddenly try to tank this season. That is not who they are. I, I do not think it's going to happen. And I think Hoyer gives them a better shot to win. And no shot, Cam lands in New England. I keep going back to it and saying, at some point here, right? Like James goes to New Orleans today. I think if you're Cam, you've got to want to go there, right? I mean, and, and if you're New England, the problem is you don't have any cap space. It's going to be hard to trade Thune, although not not impossible. Um, I, I still look at it as a great fit, but there really hasn't seemed to be much interest so far. Well, then I keep lying and saying last question. If not New England, where? If you're saying Cam's not going to play if he doesn't get paid, well, who's got money left to pay him? Who's got cap space and a need to pay him? I think he may be forced to take whatever contract comes his way, and then you've got to pick the best place for yourself to land, which could stoke New England again. Yeah, and that's why I keep, I keep the door open in New England because I just keep looking at it saying, at some point here, right? Like, at some point, New England's got to look at their quarterback room and just say, we're going to have a hard time winning like this. I don't care who the head coach is. I, the only thing I would say for Cam is maybe Jacksonville. I mean, not a great situation by any means. They're completely rebuilding. But who is there alongside Gardner Minshew? There's nobody. He traded Falls. I, I mean, maybe maybe if you're Cam, you look at it and say, you know what? I'll go down there. If Gardner falters at all, you know, or even hell, if I'm healthy, I can win the job outright. I can go in and, and, and play well and, and then get myself kind of revamped. I know it's not ideal. It's Jacksonville. They're not going to win many games this year. But that's the only place I can think of off the top of my head where he could go and, and he would have a real shot of, of you know, starting right out of the gate if it's not New England. Matt, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Stuck around with us for a good uh, period of time. We will certainly be in touch. Glad you got to get back to work, Now take a deep breath, and see if you can come up with any other stories between now and non-camp openings. Will do, Jody Mac. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Matt Verderam uh, from uh, Fansided gave us some uh, good opinion there. Uh, I like Matt in that uh, he's not afraid to stick his neck out a little bit, which he surely did. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.